And thank you very much for listening in to the recap episode of week one of Super Rugby Aotearoa. And before we jump into the show, I'd just like to make a quick note that I actually ended up dropping the ball when putting this together with Matt last night. Uh, we got on the show and everything was going just fine until I got to the editing stage and I found that our audio actually cut out halfway through. So I ended up having to message him back and be like, hey bro, I'm really sorry, but this has happened. Would you be willing to re-record it? And he's like, yeah man, no worries. But like anything, when you've got to give it a second go, having already sat down for 30 plus minutes and sort of banging out all of your takes, it just didn't flow the same and I apologise to him and I'll apologise again now for having to put him through that and you know, sort of have him, having to rejig all of the stuff he had going on in his head and I also apologise to you guys because I'm wanting to deliver a quality product and I feel like I under-delivered to you guys this time round. But we did bang out the episode on our second take but yeah, please just bear in mind that it's not our finest work considering uh, the mishap on my part. So, yeah, without waffling on any longer, here's both mine and Matt's takes, version two. Hopefully you enjoy. Cool, man. Well, uh, thank you very much, Matt, for, for joining me again. I know that we'd obviously organised to do the review and the preview was sort of a an episode that sort of came off the back of me asking you to do this, man. But, yeah, footage back. Uh, it's the back. It is, the weekend has come to a close and we've watched... Two pretty good games of footy, bro. Um, a lot of penalties. Uh, that was probably the biggest talking point uh, out of this whole thing, man. But uh, how did you enjoy both games? Yeah, mate. Good to be here. Um, yeah, like all in all, enjoyable footy, I think. Yeah, as you said, penalties are, are kind of the main talking point out of it just because they were, you know, there were so many more than what we used to. But all in all, I think we saw some pretty good attacking rugby and I don't think the penalties like impacted the game too much. Like, yeah, it was quite unsettling as a fan, but um, in terms of you know, attacking footy, we got to see more than our fair share of it, so no, I loved having it back on. How about you, mate? You know, I enjoyed both games. It was weird because I was saying to the old fella, because I went and watched the, the Hurricanes and the Blues game, and even though there were quite a few penalties, I did think that the game actually flowed pretty well, considering like how many penalties you know were being blown up. But no, man, well, why don't we crack into the first game, which was the Highlanders and the Chiefs, where we saw... Uh, the son, steal it from his dad, uh, 28-27 down at Forsyth, an upset. I know that me and you both picked the Chiefs to roll the Highlanders, but yeah, like pretty strong display from their, from their boys up front, and considering like how many tackles they missed, the, the Highlanders actually missed the most tackles in this game, they missed 23 and they had two yellow cards, but for whatever reason, the, the Chiefs just couldn't really find a way to get through them, they scored a, a couple of tries, but you'd think that um, a, a pretty flash uh, Chiefs backline and a pretty dominant Chiefs forward pack would be able to do the work with having the one-man advantage, but it just didn't seem to be the case, eh? Yeah, yeah, I couldn't have been much more wrong in, in the preview there. I definitely put uh, put a bit of dosh down on the Chiefs as well, so I had to say goodbye to a wee bit of cash, but, you know, that, that happens. And, uh, yeah, the Highlanders were, were much better than what we'd seen earlier in the year. Um and their backs were, were nothing special, but very good defensively. And I suppose the same thing with their forwards as well. I, I think, I suppose, Michaeli too kind of stole the show a bit with his, his ball running. He was very good. But, you know, they didn't really have any poor players at all. Everyone kind of just did their job and, and really stood up to the Chiefs there. 
Yeah, you touched on Makali too. He's a, he was another one that was actually playing quite well or was one of the sort of lone sort of shining lights for the Highlanders and what was a pretty sort of grim start to, to 2020 for them. And yeah, he picked up right where he left off. Um, he's probably, I mean, he was playing really well, but he probably didn't get the same reps that someone like a Hoskins or Tutu maybe got considering the mm. Blues success they had towards the latter stages of it. But he's another one that's, you know, definitely stuck his hand up to sort of take up that, that vacant number eight all-black spot. Yeah, for sure. And he's he's so young as well. I think he might only be like 21, whereas you know, Satuzu's a, c- a couple of years older, I think. So I don't know if that's anything uh, that the All Blacks will look at. But yeah, regardless, like, you know, they've both, both been really good. And, and Saturday night was just another example of, of the great running game that Makoli Tu does have. So um, yeah, that was impressive. I think Paddy Paddy Parkinson was, was really good. Just did a lot of nitty-gritty stuff. Um, and then, yeah, as we said, backs were just good enough, I suppose. Like that Chiefs backline on paper should really do a number on the on the landers, but it just wasn't the case. Mm. There seemed to be a real lack of direction. Um, I found for the Chiefs, like considering when uh, Naitoa Akoi got sort of dumped and Villamoni Kuroi got um, put in the bin, a, a pretty forgetful probably debut. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he probably didn't get the the ball he would have liked in that first half, and then in yeah, obviously ending with that yellow card and. Again, the Chiefs didn't actually go on to score a try while he was in the bin um, with John Anadeki's uh, yellow card when he took Damian McKenzie out in the air. But yeah, that was the only occasion when Anton Leonard-Brown scored his try. But yeah, really weird to see the, the Chiefs' backline not firing. I mean, Cruden did make a bit of a difference, but it was almost too little too late. And I didn't think that Caleb Trust didn't play that well. But you know, they just, I don't know, they, they never really sort of built into anything and part of that maybe was to do with uh the penalties that were being blown up uh, at ruck time but yeah definitely a, a weird one not to see them sort of hitting on all cylinders and making the most i guess of you know i guess the easiest team first up yeah like as, as you said i don't think caleb trust did anything wrong per se but i think i suppose that's the difference between like, him and aaron cruden Aaron Cruden really showed his class in that trial that you just mentioned before, just kind of holding up the ball for that little half second before popping it off to McKenzie and setting up uh, Leonard Brown there. So I think yeah, I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if, if we saw uh, Caleb Trust again next week, as I'm sure everyone would. But yeah, that, yeah, who knows? Who knows how the result would have panned out if we did get 80 minutes or 60 minutes of Aaron Cruden. As you said, it just didn't, they just didn't click at all. Like, I didn't see anywhere near as much of McKenzie at first receiver as what I thought we would have or what I would like to have seen. It wasn't wasn't very cohesive, I think. It was just a little bit sloppy. Mm-hmm. 28 penalties all up, 16 to the Highlanders and 12 to the Chiefs. So, again, it was a weird one because you, you pile on 23 missed tackles from the Highlanders, you have the two yellow cards, you have them being pinged the most at the breakdown with all these new interpretations. And come the end of the game, you know, they're, they're still in the fight. I mean, they led for the majority of the game as well. I mean, they scored all their mm. tries in the first half. And um, thankfully, Mitch Hunt, after sort of having that sort of clanger first shot at goal right next to the post, um, sort of cleaned up his act and managed to keep the points ticking over. But, yeah, I think the Hollanders can definitely take a, a lot of confidence out of this game. I know that, you know, they've been bagged and, you know, I bagged them. I, I picked them to not win a game, you know, just considering how poor their forwards were and how even though you, you're going to have like a superstar halfback and Aaron Smith there and although their their backs um, might not be all that flash they do have a bit of expector out wide and they did look to play the game at width but I just didn't think that their forwards would provide them the, the front football or you know the dominance at set piece but 
I was wrong. You know, maybe, you know, the Chiefs were, were probably a bit rusty and they were probably going to be the the team that was going to take the most time to probably adjust to this new sort of stuff at the breakdown, considering, you know, how much of a um, a menace Lachlan Boshier was sort of pre-COVID. So, yeah, on to next week for the Chiefs. Um, I know that Warren Gatlin sort of came out in the media after the game and said that, you know, he was... Ami and Ari around these new interpretations just because of like, you know, the refs are pretty much blowing up everything. And even though I did think that Paul Williams and Mike Fraser in, in the Blues Hurricanes game as well did a pretty good job at making it sort of even. Hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's going to it's gonna make for a, for an interesting show because I don't think teams are going to want to sort of run the ball out of their own half. And especially with these new rules, you know, um, in terms of like trying to get it, I guess, a bit sexier for the fans, you know, with the sort of golden point and the red card thing and not having that sort of, having a huge bearing on the game, being able to sub a player in, you know, do you think we're going to see more kicking going forward just because of, you know, teams are more likely to get pinged to the breakdown? Yeah, I think, yeah, we're just going to see a lot of territory-based rugby from from here on out, or at least for as long as these, I suppose, penalty interpretations are in force. So, I think, you know, there's such an advantage of being in a uh, kickable distance. So if you're on the opposition half, even if you you don't have the ball, I mean you've got that chance of getting a, a ruck penalty or something like that. It's proven to be such an advantage from that those two games we've seen. So I suppose that's kind of why we saw the Highlanders get the leg up. Like you know, they they weren't dominant by by any means, and nor were the Chiefs to be fair. But and they just um they put themselves in the right part of the field, and it, it paid huge dividends for them really. Mm-hmm. Now one of the the late scratches for this game was Mitch Hunt going to ten with. Uh, Josh Iwani going out with a groin injury. What did you make of his display? You know, obviously he got off to a bit of a rough start, like I mentioned with that conversion. And even for me, I was like, oh, you know, is this going to sort of sort of compound and, you know, sort of get on him? But no, he, I thought he was steady. Um, I'm not sure if he did enough to move Josh out of that 10 jersey and sort of claim it as his own. But yeah, it'll be interesting for them going forward because we just don't know how long Josh Iwani is going to be out for. Yeah, exactly. And and being a groin injury for Josh Johnny, like who knows how that's gonna linger with him obviously doing a lot of kicking and goal kicking, so um that's probably another thing to keep an eye out for. But yeah, I don't like Mitch Hunt was okay. He didn't didn't do anything spectacular. He, he did his job well enough, but I I struggle to see him kinda of keeping the number ten jersey over a, a former all black and a, a youngster that they'll be wanting to get plenty of game time, you would imagine. Yeah, totally. I was, I mean, you've you've already touched on Marino McCulley too. Was he your man of the match? Yeah, I think so. It'd, it'd be between him and Aaron Smith. I think like Aaron Smith was just so good. You, you just don't see him throw bad passes, and he's he's so vocal and that, yeah, he was just awesome again. Like everything's just bang on with him. I just love watching him play. What about you? Yeah, I thought uh, McCulley too did carry very well, and he was along with, like you said, with, with Putty Putty Parkinson was the ones that were sort of getting stuck in and you know, showing a bit of backbone, um, which we hadn't seen from the Highlanders in 2020. But yeah, like you said, I thought Aaron Smith played really well as well. He threw that beautiful pass to Rob Thompson when he hit the hole before setting yeah. up Sir Tomkinson for that try. You know, there's just sort of little stuff that he just does really well and as a halfback that is clearing the ball and sort of, you know, giving your, your outsides and those around you just that, that little bit more time and, you know, that opportunity to attack the space and... Yeah, he's he's going to be huge for them. I think. I mean, he's he's always been huge for them, but I think he's going to be a key part if we see the the Highlanders get a roll on and Super Rugby Aotearoa. Yeah, no doubt. Like if he's firing, that just makes them that much more dangerous. If, if yeah, if he's not on, then I don't see how they're going to do well at all. But 
Um, when he's playing like he was on Saturday night, they're, they're always going to be in with an attacking chance. Yep, for sure. Now we'll roll into the second game. I actually thought it was a three o'clock kickoff. Was I the only one? And then end actually getting kicked off. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the original time. And then it just, like, I don't know when the schedule changed, maybe like a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, it just, I definitely had that in my head as well. Luckily, I checked like last night. Oh, I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't have missed it, obviously, because I would have got there half an hour early. Yeah, but this was another game that uh, was obviously dominated by the whistle. Similar to, well, pretty much bang on, similar to the, the Landers and Chiefs game. 28 penalties all up. But I guess the, the big talking point for this was Bodie. And uh, while he didn't do a lot with ball in hand, um, he, you know, while he was kicking for touch and, you you know, it was sort of weird because, you know, he was sort of rushing in, taking the ball off of these penalties and sort of booting it downfield, you know, trying to get mm. these Blues to play up-tempo. Of course, the Blues went on to win the game 30 points to 20. Thanks also in large part to the boot of Ortere Blackman. But what were your sort of big takeaways from Sunday's game? It was, it was another fun game for the opening 30 minutes or so. Uh, maybe not so fun from a Hurricanes fan's point of view. Yeah, I think like, the Blues were... The Blues were pretty impressive, I think. They just kind of did all that was, was asked of them. Had a few um, you know, really good tries. Defended well uh, for the most part. And you know, they, they just made an absolute meal of the Hurricanes line-out, which I don't know if it says more about the Blues or the Hurricanes, but that was you know, that was something that was really holding the Hurricanes back, I think. Every time they had a line-out, the Blues would at least make it difficult for them, if not steal the ball. So that, that just makes it so hard to get down the other end of the field if you can't even win a line-out. Yeah, they they did really struggle there. This their scrum was pretty good, and I I think that's going to be one of their strengths even going forward now with the likes of with Tyrell Lomax and Fraser mm. Armstrong. But yeah, yeah, line out time you can't really do a lot. Well, there's no point kicking the ball out and you know trying to play off that if you're not going to get your own ball back. I sort of know that all too well with uh, some of my um, <laughs> sort of club experiences. <laughs> um, so no I, shade. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure TJ um, wouldn't have been happy. Uh, and yeah, he actually ended up losing the plot. Eh? Like, I don't know if you noticed, but there was like, there came like a point in the game where like referee Mike Fraser just like refused to speak to him. And it was weird because like he told Colsey that he wasn't going to talk to TJ at all, even though he is the co-captain. And then a Suffolk gets subbed on four coals. And I'm like, oh, you know, what's going to happen there? But then they ended up going to Gareth Evans, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the real weird part of the game when TJ kind of rolled over to talk to Mike Fraser, and then Gareth uh, Gareth Evans is also there, and he just no, nah, he pushes away TJ and says, no, mate, <laughs> just me and Gareth. Sorry. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see the follow up on that. I don't know if the Hurricanes will make some kind of complaint or any you know, the media will follow up on it. Yeah, I'd love to know what was what was said to. Make Mike Fraser tick in the wrong way. Like, he obviously didn't say something sort of too bad to sort of warrant a yellow card or a red card, but, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that, like a referee refusing to talk to a captain. No, no, it rings no bells in my head, and it's, yeah, I was, I was real surprised when it happened. Like, that's kind of the least rugby thing to do, isn't it? Like, it's such a, you know, it's, it prides itself on respecting the ref and captains and other players and stuff, and then <laughs> Mike Fraser's just like, no, nah, none of you today, CJ. <laughs> Yeah, one of the other big takeaways from me that I sort of noticed from the get-go was there was a lot of box kicking. And I, like I mentioned before in terms of like teams not wanting to sort of run the ball out of their own half, you know, sort of trying to find ways around these sort of new ruck interpretations because it's almost 50-50, you know, like either a guy, you know, isn't rolling away properly in the ruck or, you know, the the team with the ball is having someone clean out from the side. So, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm that big a fan of it. 
just because it's funny, right? So they bring in these law changes to try and speed up the game and have it played more expansively, but we might actually end up seeing, you know, sort of longer games of force back, which is, you know, would sort of go against, obviously, what the, the interpretations were put in to do. But I think even as well as that, sort of building back into the Blues, though, was just how well they defended. I mean, the, the Hurricanes really struggled to sort of get past halfway uh, with any of their ball. I mean, it didn't help, obviously, at line-out time. You know, any time they'd sort of work their way into the red zone, uh, they just mm. couldn't get their ball back. But even when they sort of got the ball back at halfway, you know, either off like a, a Blues box kick or their own box kick or through whatever phase play, they just really struggled to sort of get any sort of clean metres. And you could see the frustration sort of build up and then obviously it then spilled over into Blues penalties and then Autity back just did the rest with his boot. Yeah, like, there was just, I don't know, so much one-off ball running stuff. It was really just uncreative from the Hurricanes and I don't know what you can put that down to, but it was just dull whenever they had the ball kind of in that, that middle part of the park when, when they, they weren't in an attacking zone per se, but they weren't like on their own line. So they were just, yeah, just one-off, one-off ball running that wasn't proving effective at all. And that was probably another big thing that um, the Blues did really well. Like they were switching up their attack a lot and obviously just getting down the other end of the park, which, as you say, led to Altidy Black kind of steering the game and the Blues control. Do you think that Geordie Barrett would have made much difference? I mean, because I, um, I, well, I know that you'd picked the Hurricanes to win, and I'd actually picked the Hurricanes to win at the start of the week. But then when I saw that Geordie was a scratch with that shoulder niggle, I then flipped back to the Blues. But I think one of my big takeaways, I mean, we talked about the first five um, sort of dilemma on Wednesday and, you know, just sort of having that guy sort of play their role. And I think one of the other things that I mentioned pre-lockdown with the Hurricanes was just how big of an influence Geordie Barrett was having on the game, sort of similar to mm. like a Damian McKenzie, sort of coming into that first receiver role from time to time. Yeah. Um, obviously, goal kicking wasn't the difference in the end, but, you know, I think even just, I don't know, just having an all-black in your team is obviously going to make a difference, but whether or not that would have, you know, spilled over into a win, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose those those situations that we were just talking about when they're kind of like, you know, in the middle of the park with um, no intent, I suppose that's kind of where Geordie Barrett does become a bit more important as kind of the... the other first receiver, um, you know, it's kind of more of a, a space where he thrives. Like Chase was coming in every now and then, first receiver, but nowhere near the amount that would we would have seen Geordie do it. And also, like, Geordie's boot, you know, he can hoof it from beyond halfway. So that's just, like, another threat, I guess, that the Hurricanes could have used. I don't think he would have had too much of an impact, to be honest. But, yeah, I, like, it's he's always going to help the Canes, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the other no-shows, even though he was playing, was, for me, Nani Lamapi. And I, and I don't, it's tough because I'm only singling him out because of how good I know he can be and how sort of informed mm-hmm. he was pre-lockdown. But he just didn't really get involved this game. I mean, he had a couple of all-right touches down the flanks, but there wasn't really any strong ball carrying that you sort of expect from Nani. I mean, because that is his game. And... The, the Hurricanes really struggled to get over the game on him. I thought, you know, well, you know, why not get Nani involved? But he just never seemed to find the ball. Yeah, no, you're right. He he wasn't he wasn't there. I suppose like sounds sounds stupid, but it, he wasn't there when the Hurricanes like needed him most. So that's kind of um, that's his bread and butter, I suppose, getting over the game line and giving the Canes a bit of momentum on attack. But yeah, I, I struggle to think of many uh, runs that he had where he you know did his classic Barnes doing runs up the guts. So. It's it's just another little niggle that the Hurricanes have to to work on, I suppose. Like, yeah, looking at it all, I think there's there's a lot for them to improve before they take on the Crusaders. 
Yeah, 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 definitely going into next week. It is tough because, you know, you, you sort of lose that first game. And I, I don't think the Hurricanes will be without confidence, but then having to turn it around um, against the, the three-time champions, um, that's going to be a big ask, albeit they are playing at home. But no, I, th I thought both games were really good. Some really good tries scored today. I thought that... Uh, that Colsey's one, I mean, fuck, he's still got the same toe. I mean, like, I, I, that was sort of one of my big takeaways from him because he's been he's been injury plagued the last couple of years. But mm. nah, he he still showed that um, when he gets the ball um, with a bit of room to move, he's got he's got some toe. And how good was that try celebration afterwards? They even got Bodie and all. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe how fast uh, Dan Coles still is. Though, after I think I think he did his ACL and his most recent injury, and then mm -hmm. what do you know? He just still just gases it from 20 metres out and finishes like a winger in the corner. So, and yeah, Bodie getting in the mix just for, you know, I don't know, say some pleasantries to his old club. Or should no, I say the other way around, the, the guy's <laughs> roping him in to say some pleasantries to him. I mean, he, he took it on the chin pretty well. He had a smile on his face the whole time. So He did. The, the There was no sort of over-the-top sort of bad bloody stuff. Um, but no, I thought that uh, one of the other standouts of the Blues was Caleb Clark. He scored a really good try. A pretty poor defensive read from, from Wes and, and Vince Arsenal to sort of shoot up out of line. But, you know, first game back, uh, I thought that uh, Dalton Papali'i's try, I mean, he came on and he um, he actually had a pretty big impact. He had a couple of turnovers um, in the extended time because, again, Blake Gibson just doesn't seem to have yeah, any man. luck with injuries, man. Um, and yeah. he's still only a young bugger, so hopefully it isn't too serious for him. But, yeah, lovely way to grub a kick, sitting up Papali'i and then... Um, Obviously, Ben Lamb got a dot. I thought Chase Chase did like some sort of weird like back tap thing, which set that try up. That was quite nice. Yeah, um, yeah, it was really good. Mm -hmm, some a good, a good set of hands to set up fine. His try in the first half, and then obviously Jamie Booth got the the consolation try under the post. Now I don't know about you, but like I know that Aaron Smith's done it a couple of times. We can score it at the at the bottom of the post pad. Like, have they taken that rule out going forward at Super level? I yeah, like, I believe. Because he like, I believe went they have. the post, say, and I was like, why, why, you know, why not you know, do it the cheeky way? But obviously, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm a bit behind the times with some of these laws. I mean, I'm still trying to wrap my head around, you know, all these sort of breakdown, yada 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 that I sort of got lost off. Oh, mate, you're a half fat. You should be chirping on all day about those. <laughs> oh man, I definitely need to get more reading in. Um, but no, nah, nonetheless, um, a, a really good weekend all up. Uh, I mean, I mentioned before about. Oh, I don't want to be sort of too critical of these um, these new law interpretations because it has only been one week. And, of course, you know, although the teams would have been practicing, you know, sort of ways to sort of get around it during the week, nothing really compares to a game when you're in the heat of the moment and, you know, guys sort of fall back to their old ways. And obviously, like, pre-lockdown, they were probably um, not as harsh at the breakdown. And I'm, I'm pretty sure from all mm. the, the reports that I read that the referees were pretty much urged to sort of ping everything, even if they were sort of on the the side of it being 50-50, but yeah, uh, whether or not we're going to see more kicking or games of force back, um, we'll obviously have to wait and see, but no, a really good first up week, and I'm just, I guess I'm just happy to have footy back, man, it was just so bizarre, like not having it on for so long, but to enjoy a few cold ones with some of the boys, you know, on a, <laughs> even, even like a Sunday afternoon game, bro, like I actually really, really enjoyed that, you know, although nothing probably compares, you know, like, you know, getting up under, you know, Friday, Saturday night lights, um, at whatever stadium across the country. It was actually quite cool to see a, a packed house at, at Eden Park, you know, for a day game. My, my old man was, you know, sort of telling me about, you know, those sorts of things that used to go on in his day. But, mm. yeah, maybe something, you know, 
that could sort of continue going on for years to come with Super Rugby, depending on, you know, how it goes, you know, Trans-Tasman, New Zealand only. And yeah, so- I, suppose it'll, I suppose it kind of depends on what the crowds are like for the rest of the season, eh? But um, seems to be a, a bloody good example of it all, like plenty of free-flowing rugby and the sun was out in Auckland. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't see, un- unless, like, the broadcast money uh, speaks louder than the fans' voice, then I don't see any reasons to why they, they can't, Include, I don't know, one Sunday afternoon game per round or something in future? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was a big fan of it. I, I thought it was just, you know, the fact that the, the whole city of Auckland seemed to get behind the Blues as well. And mm. no, Yeah, I can't me... remember the last time we could have said that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, I guess that's the thing, though. I wonder whether that'll sort of be a trend going forward, like, for all the games, or whether or not this is sort of just a one-off because, you know, everyone wants to get back for a rugby game. I mean, I'll I'll be trying to make my way down to... Sky Stadium next week to catch that Hurricanes Crusaders game because mm. it should be a belter because those teams usually get up for one another. But yeah, what what do you reckon? Do you reckon we'll see packed houses for the for the rest of Super Rugby? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll dwindle down eventually once the novelty of you know being able to get out of the house again and and be in a crowd again. And once that kind of dies off, then I think it'll it'll dwindle down. But I think we should still see pretty strong crowds throughout the rest of the year, like. Even during normal Super Rugby, New Zealand derbies would attract decent crowds. So, yeah. um, but you know, with kind of the improved reputation of Super Rugby Aotearoa, I think yeah, there's a, there's a good chance that we see, I don't know, twenty k ish per game. Maybe that might be a little bit wishful, but just under maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, bro. They they definitely added to the the spectacle. You know, just having you know authentic crowd noise. Again, my man, thank you very much for uh, for jumping on the show. Uh, it's been it's been really enjoyable. I'll look to get you back on uh, in a couple of weeks' time, hopefully. Um, if you if you want to join me again, I'm not sure. If, you know, of course, mate. Of course. <laughs> yeah, but, might have um, to uh, send the invoice through that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm on that. No, I'm, mate, I'm no just waiting to hear back um, from government, bro. I've still got to work out some. Of <laughs> stuff, but, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely get back to you. Maybe a bit of a an IOU, maybe a bit of layby. <laughs> <laughs> Next time in Wellies, just a couple uh, couple screwdrivers will be sweet. Oh, bro, no problem, bro. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm looking to get um, a rotation of different boys on. I'll get my old man on to, to chop it up just to keep perspectives fresh. Of um, course, different mate. takes. But yeah, again, thank you very much, my man. Uh, you have a great Sunday night and stay well. Sweet, mate. You too. Catch ya. <laughs>